I'll ask everybody to go ahead and make your way to your seats, and uh, we will get started this morning. Uh, first of all, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, if you have not already, there is a card in the seat back in front of you. I ask you to go ahead and take that. On both sides, there is a spot for our members and for our visitors alike. And so uh, go ahead and fill that out. And then later on during our worship assembly, there will be young men coming by to pick those up. Uh, we just want to uh, remind you of a couple things that are, are going on both today and uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, number one is tonight at 445, so I guess technically this afternoon, uh, we have an opportunity to do something we don't get to do very often. There's um, a lot of churches in town, and our, we all have our own things going on, uh, and so it's hard to get our schedules together. But tonight at 445 here at West Irwin in our auditorium, we are going to be having a combined singing night with the North Tenaha Church. And they're going to be bringing some of their song leaders as well. And so uh, it, will be, it will be an encouraging afternoon, I promise you that. And so we would just like to encourage you to be a part of that since we don't have that opportunity all that often to come and to, at the very least, show your support for, uh, for the unity of churches in our community uh, that we can have the opportunity to get together. Uh, this morning, also, if you were here for uh, our uh, combined adult Bible classes, you got to hear uh, about what's going on in, in Guatemala and uh, the souls that are being saved there. Um, the Alvarez's were here yesterday and were able to do uh, a presentation for our missions committee. And so if you have a chance to talk, speak with them today, they're right down here front and center sitting beside Danny Skipper. And uh, so you can talk to Danny, too. I know he likes conversations. And so... Uh, uh, but we're glad that y'all are here. We're, we're thankful for the work that y'all are doing there and grateful for the opportunity to partner with you in that. Uh, this morning, there will be no blast in our K through 3. So just as a reminder for those of you who general, general, generally let your kids go, don't do that. Or they're just going to be roaming somewhere in the building. So please uh, keep your children. No blast today for our K through 3. Uh, today is our Veterans Day luncheon, so those who are participating in that should already know about it. And then just one more thing. We know you have your bulletin and you have the opportunity to, uh, to read that and look at it, but there is a blurb in there that's been in there for a couple weeks. You see some stuff in the back talking about our, our partnership with Douglas Elementary. And if you're not aware what that is, we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, we, as a church, goodness, almost 10 years ago now, part, began to partner with Douglas Elementary here in North Tyler to uh, help and support their teachers and through their teachers, their students, uh, getting them supplies that they need, uh, having opportunities to uh, put together care bags and uh, have opportunities for their luncheons for their teachers. And so when you hear Douglas, it's, it's more than just uh, not throwing our budget money at it. And so there is an opportunity. They're in need of help and volunteers. Uh, so you'll see the contact information there for Sharon Beaver. Uh, and so reach out to her. Uh, she may be a little so, slow to respond. Sharon took a fall this last Wednesday night here uh, in the church building and uh, cracked her uh, ball joint in her shoulder. Uh, so you'll see that on the lit prayer list as well. But uh, I promise she'll respond. And so just reach out to her if that's something you feel like you would like to be involved in. Uh, I'd ask everybody to join me and stand as we begin our time in worship today with a prayer. And then Davey will lead us in song. Heavenly Father God, we are grateful and thankful for the opportunity to gather together as a church today, as a family, as we know that people all over the world are doing the same thing. Some under trees, some under carports, 
others in buildings like this, regardless of where we stand, of what we are wearing, of the, con- the context we find ourselves in. God, it is our opportunity to give this time solely to you, to put aside the distractions of the week and to focus our hearts and our minds on your word, on your son, on the sacrifice that he gave for us and on how grateful we are for the church, for this family that you have given each of us. So God, we are thankful for this opportunity and I pray for the encouragement of the spirit that we lift our voices in song, that we open our hearts to your word and that we are reminded of the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Lord, we thank you for all these things and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. We will glorify the King of kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of lords, who is the great I am. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before his throne. We will worship him in righteousness. We will worship him alone. He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. He is Lord of all who live. He is Lord of all the earth. All praise to him we give. Father, we love you. We worship and adore. Could make every king bow down. 
Who else could whisper and darkness tremble? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever, a holy God. Come and worship a holy God. What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the the whole God. What other glory consumes like fire? What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the Father in heaven, we humbly approach you this morning as a family, thanking you first for the ability to reach out to you in prayer and to know that you will hear our prayer. We know that you are the mighty one and that all things you are with us and that you are the ultimate conqueror. We pray that 
you will use us, even though we are sinful and imperfect, to accomplish your will in all things. We thank you for the blessings you send us each day and for your constant love and grace, though we do not deserve it. We're thankful that all things are possible through access to your power and your providence. So today, Heavenly Father, we have those of our number who are suffering the loss of a loved one, battling long-term illnesses, or have recently suffered painful injuries and need your care, your comfort, your strength, and your healing power. We humbly place these names before you at this time. Galen and Margie Siegler, Betty Bowles, Donnie and Susie Carnathan, Jeff Ingram. For the family and friends of Emma Lambert and her passing, for Sharon Beaver, Kaisley Blackstone, Stan Clark, Jim and Lydia Gibson, Joyce Allen and Arlene Lockhart. This time, Heavenly Father, we also want to recognize our veterans of military service, those who have gone before us to ensure that we have the freedoms that we enjoy each day and even the ability to gather to worship you this day without fear or conflict. It is said that strength promotes peace, and so, Father, we ask that you give our country strength and the men and women in leadership the ability to use that strength to create peace and prosperity and to promote freedom in this and all nations and to look to you for a portion of your wisdom in the decisions that they make each day. This time, Father, there's conflict and oppression in many areas on this earth, and so we pray your blessings, care, and protection for those servicemen and women who are currently in harm's way. May they also look to you for your guidance and protection each day. We're so thankful for all your servants who work each day in a public way and behind the scenes to make this place a worship, place of worship in your name. For our benevolent workers, for our various ministry committees, the Tuesday lunch group, the Wednesday night dinner group, our teachers, our staff, our ministers, those who care for our physical plant, and so many more. May this church continue to be a light in our community and a vessel for the spreading of your gospel throughout the world. And so we pray for our mission efforts in Guatemala and so many other areas we support the spreading of your word. Heavenly Father, we often fail you and we ask for your forgiveness. Father, it's our prayer this day, your day, that this service of worship may be acceptable in your sight. May you place the thoughts and words in Bill's heart and in his message this morning that will be a blessing to us all. As always, Heavenly Father, we pray that our love and respect for each other will increase. And though we are a body of many parts, we remain strong and unified as we march forward through the battlefield of darkness to be a light in this world. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue to praise and glorify the holy God, may we keep in mind the fact that in his absolute perfection, God saw a huge chasm between himself and his creation. 
And he so much desired to restore that relationship, but he knew the only possible way was the giving of his precious, precious son. We remember the death of Christ. King of my life, I Oftentimes when we gather for this time, we think of the cup as the memorial, which it is. Uh, it represents the sacrifice that was given on our behalf, the, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. But when we look throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, the Bible often pictures the judgment of God as coming from a cup, which individuals and nations who are being judged have to drink from. Psalm chapter 75 is one of those examples. It says, In one hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices, and he pours it out, and all of the wicked of the earth drink it down to its dregs. Elsewhere, the prophet Jeremiah looks at it as a cup that God's own people are even forced to drink themselves in Judah and its capital city of Jerusalem. Obadiah portrayed God's judgment coming on the Edomites for them mocking Uh, the judgment that finally came on Judah and Jerusalem. But Obadiah also pictured the judgment of God as a cup from which all nations will drink. He said, The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all nations will drink continually. It's also imagery that Jesus used to a degree in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked his father that the cup he knew he would have to drink from would be taken from him. He said, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not my will but yours be done. And he proceeded to drink from that cup, every last drop, down to the final measure that Jesus gave on our behalf. Obadiah told the nations, he said, as you have done, it will be done to you. In other words, you will get what's coming to you. You'll get what you deserve. But that's not the message of the cross. That's not the message that was at the bottom of that cup that Jesus drank on our behalf. The message of the cross is, give me your life and I will drink the cup that you deserve. I will take what is coming to you on my shoulders. That timeless message of grace is the center of what we gather around this table every week to remember. That absolute necessity of the gift of Jesus Christ for us. Because without it, we would be drinking judgment on ourselves. Without it, 
Reunification with God, with our loved ones, with those who have gone before would be impossible. Without the gift that Jesus gave on our behalf, the bitter cup that he took, we would not have hope. And so the cup no longer represents judgment for us as individuals because that judgment was poured out on the one who gave his life for us. It represents hope. It represents the perfection that came on our behalf. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, as we enter into this time together of common union, of sitting around a table together and remembering the gift, the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave on our behalf. We take this unleavened bread now, which represents the body of Jesus, the body that carried him through this life, the body that preached a message of salvation and of hope, of turning away from a life before Christ and turning towards him towards the Lord, but a body that also had to be sacrificed on our behalf. So, Lord, we are thankful for that. We can never imagine that feeling as a parent of watching our child willfully struggle down to their last breath. But we are thankful for the gift of Jesus as we remember that sacrifice this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
disciples on that night where he began that meal, that instituting that time of remembrance. That's what he told his disciples, his followers, all those in the room to do, to remember him, to take these elements that we have with us this morning to remember him. But it's a different kind of remembrance, I know, when it's people that we know personally. You know, when we think back to the people that we have known throughout our lives and the memories we have with them and the good times and the bad times that we had with them, I know that in their memory, the good times and the bad times were all there. The struggles, the hardships that they faced, the lack of response, the evenings around a fire where we're reminded the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. And so they were together in the good circumstances and in the bad. And so for them, doing something to remember him had a different meaning. Because it was everything about him, all the pieces of his life that even we don't get to see. So when we do this in remembrance of Christ, when we take the cup that represents that blood, we remember a singular event that continues to flow throughout time throughout the world, for people like all of us and for people completely unlike us who may have come in to meet Jesus for the very first time along the road, after someone sharing their faith with them, who have just put on Christ in baptism and for the very first time experience what it's like to join together with other believers And so we join together as a church this morning, both online and here in this room, but with others around the world, and we remember our Savior and what he did on our behalf. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus did make for us, and as we remember him, we remember all those wonderful stories that we have that are glimpses into his real life of the way he treated people, of the way he carried himself, of the way that he withstood temptation, even at the hands of Satan. And God, we take those examples as fuel for our battle, that we can be encouraged and know that it is possible to live a life that is fully and completely directed at you. God, we are thankful for this blood this drink, this juice that we take that represents Jesus because it brings us closer to him. It reminds us of that relationship we have with him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee, even Thy cup of grief to share. mentioned uh, the Alvarez's are here from Guatemala this morning and it's just an example of all of the ways that we give and when we give back to this church how that money is used how that money is sent all over the world and used here in Tyler Texas for the ultimate goal that we were reminded of this morning which is to bring souls to Christ beyond anything else that we will ever do nothing will ever matter more than that ever We have that feeling deep within us that we know we want those we love and care about to join us in eternity in heaven. But it's a lot easier to walk past someone in the street not knowing them as another face while at the same time realizing they may not know Jesus. They may not have come to that saving relationship with him. And so it is of utmost importance that we live out that calling in our own lives, that we support opportunities in other places In the end, we all make that decision for ourselves. But we need to give people the opportunity to hear it. And so we're grateful for all the works that this church is a part of, both here and everywhere else that we participate in. And so this is an opportunity for us to support those works as we give back each week a portion of what we've been given as a love offering back to our Father. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are grateful today. We are a grateful people. I pray that we would be every day, knowing how incredibly blessed we are beyond our wildest dreams. To have what we have, to be given the opportunities that we have, this is an unbelievable place to be. But God, we know that to those much has been given, much will be expected. And so we take that calling seriously as your people. And in all the different ways that we use our, our, our lives, our, our bodies, our finances to honor you, to give back to you, God, we take this as another one of those opportunities. God, may we give with cheerful hearts, thankful for the opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is so good, God is so
singing as our kids come up for kids' time today. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus died for all the children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus died for all the children of the world. I have a question or two for y'all this morning. We just sang a song about how Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, does Jesus just love some of the little children, but not all of them? Who does he? He loves all the little children, that's right. Now, just, does he just love the red and yellow ones, or does he love all the colors of children of the world? All of them, that's right, that's right. Now, how many of you have a really good friend? Few of you do? Okay, a lot of you do. Now, can a few of you tell me what your friend's name is? What's your friend? Anthony, okay. What's yours? Is Mary, okay. Ellie, how about you? Who is it? Okay, right there by you. Who is, who is yours? It's Ellie, okay. Who's yours? Okay, and who's yours? Jack, all right, and who's yours? Okay, there's lots of us that have a friend. One more, who is it? Drake, okay. Now, I want, well, maybe we'll take a few more. How about you? Finley. Finley, okay, good. Okay, we, we like friends that help other people. How about you, sweetie? Julia, okay, all right. How about you? I saw your hand up. Violet, all right. And you? Okay. Wade, all right. Noah, okay, good, good. You like to go boating with Noah, maybe. I don't know. Yours? Okay, good. Well, now I want you to tell me something about your friend. Tell me what they like or what you like to do with your friend. What do they like? Basketball and football, okay. Play what? Monkey ball. Ooh, that sounds fun. Baseball, okay. Oh, on the playground at church. Yes, that is a fun room, isn't it? How about you? Okay, he likes to play video games and watch TV. That is a fun friend. Super Mario Brothers. Yes, one I know. How about you? Play football. Okay, one more. Okay, to come play with me. Okay, now let me ask you a question. How do you know that? How do you know that that's what your friend likes to do? How do you know it? Because he's your best friend, that's right. Because you watch that with him, you do it with him. Because you talk to them, that's right. Here's the thing about a good friend. The reason we know something about them 
is because we spend time with Him. It may be watching a video game, or it may be playing football or baseball, or playing in the church parking lot together. But we know who they are, and we know their names, and we know what they like. And the reason we do that is because we talk to them, and we listen. When they tell us things that they like, we hear that, and we do some of those things together, or at least we get to talk about them some with them. Today we're going to be talking in our sermon time about doing that with everyone, about talking to people and actually listening so that we can understand what they like and what's important to them, and maybe also so that we can know a little bit about what is on their mind and how their life is going and maybe be able to tell them some good news about Jesus while we talk to them and while we play with them, wherever that might be. And so as you think about your best friend, you can thank Jesus for them and you can also ask Jesus to help you to show them how much Jesus loves them too. Because remember, Jesus loves who? All the little children of the world. Now, remember when we go back, if you're kindergarten through third grade, go back with your folks because we don't have blast today for you, but we do have one more verse of a song as you're walking off the stage, okay? You ready? Jesus lives for all the children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus lives for all the children of the world. Before Bill comes and speaks to us this morning, in our Bible class in the chapel this morning, we were reminded that the best message, the greatest message we could ever teach is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as we listen to Bill's message this morning, let's... Open our eyes and let's open our ears to the message of Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord. That should be our prayer every day and all the time, shouldn't it? Open our eyes, Lord. Open our ears. Help us to listen. We want to see Jesus. We want to hear that wonderful message, as Roberto shared, the most important message that we can share with anyone, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, We have a lot going on uh, today and a lot going on this weekend, as has been said. Uh, Brother Alvarez is here today, and the, and the Guatemala work is on our minds and in our hearts in a very special way this weekend. Uh, the wonderful blessings that they are to so many training young men and women to go back to their communities, back to their culture uh, from several different Latin American countries 
to share the good word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And what a great and wonderful blessing uh, that is. Today we also acknowledge our veterans. Um, We can't say thank you enough for the sacrifices that you and your families have made for us and for our nation and for other nations around the world. We're actually offering a lunch to our veterans today to honor them, and I appreciate everyone who is associated with that and doing that. Uh, As has been said at 445 today, right in here, we're going to invite our brothers and sisters from North Tenaha Church of Christ here in town for an hour of worship and song. They're going to have a song later or two. We're going to have a song later. And from 445 to 545, we're going to be joining together to lift our voices in, in praise and joy. And that will be a joyful celebration. That will be a joyful time of fellowship. What a great opportunity to be able to sit on the same pew and to share with the same brothers and sisters the love that we have for our great and awesome God. And so I hope that you're planning on being here for that. I know some may not be able to, but if you can, I certainly hope that you will because it will make a great statement to them of our love for them and of our invitation for them to join us in worship. And my prayer is that this will lead to many, many more wonderful times of fellowship and ministry and worship. We already share fellowship in the great ministry that goes on at our Benevolent Center, in our Caring Kitchen, uh, with our Young at Heart. There are so many other things that we do that we're a part of together, and that is a great, great blessing. Uh, Throughout these lessons, we've been talking about habits of effective living. And for the first uh, few, we've talked about ourselves, our own, the things that we need. The things that help us to live an effective life. Living with the end in mind. Thinking about how our lives are going to end up. And living accordingly today. Uh, Just as Paul said, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. Now there is this crown. And it was right there at his fingertips. Because he knew. He knew that he was about to be killed in the cause of Christ. But he had thought about that all through those years as a Christian. And that's what we need to be doing today. To live with the end in mind. To be proactive. Not inactive and not reactive. But to actually be proactive. To be active in the cause of Christ. And active in the lives of one another. And then to put first things first. To have the right priorities. To put that gospel of Christ first of all in our lives. Uh, to be willing to be faithful to the Word of God and to share this great message with others. So today we do a little bit of a transition from that, the things that help us ourselves individually, to some of the things that we can be conscious about as we consider our interaction with others. Stephen Covey's book talks about going from private victory to public victory, and that's the transition we make today. And this is his words, and this is the first one that we'll cover in this little short group. And that is, seek first to understand, then to be understood. I want you to know that as a preacher, that's not always easy for me. (laughs) Because I want to be understood. I want to share the message. I want to say what's on my heart. And yet I know that the right thing to do is to seek first to understand, then to be understood. As our shepherd Matt Hawes led us in prayer earlier today, 
He asked the Lord to bless us as we grow in that love and respect for one another. And I think if we seek first to be understood rather than to understand, it is a sign of disrespect. It's a sign that says, you know, I really don't care where you are. I really don't care what's going on in your life. I have something to tell you, and that's all that matters right now. Well, as you look at the life and teaching of Christ and the Gospels, you realize he was the Son of God, and he could have played that card, and yet he never did. He actually cared about the lives of others, so much so that he was willing to allow them time to express and tell their story and what was going on for them. Our kids get it. They understand that when they're talking with their friends. We, we get that. Uh, our youngest daughter, Amanda... <laughs> When she was in kindergarten, it was a great thing because our daughters are two and a half years apart, so two school years apart. And uh, the, the kindergarten teacher that had our oldest daughter became the lead kindergarten teacher when our younger daughter went through. And she said, well, I'm the lead teacher, and I loved having Amy and y'all, and so I'm, I'm getting Amanda. I just want you to know I'm getting Amanda. And so she had Mrs. Needles taught Amanda. And uh, one day, <laughs> one day Amanda comes home from school just broken, devastated. She just, it, she, she, her life had, had been torn apart. And we asked her what in the world was going on. And she said, Mrs. Needles signed my notebook today. And that's when you are being disciplined. <laughs> I wasn't all that rare for me. But apparently for our daughter, it was something that was kind of unique. And so we talked to Mrs. Needles about it. And she said... I hated doing that. I hated doing that. But I have this little group of girls that come in and they, they come in in the schoolroom and they get all their tables together and they, they get in that little circle and they're chattering away and talking away as if they're in somebody's bedroom and there's nothing else going on. And she said, I just had to get their attention. Well, I think that kind of relationship, that kind of sharing, that kind of desire... To, to, to be known by someone and to get to know them, I think that's what we're talking about today. To seek first to understand, to get to know, rather than seeking first to be understood. We understand that from those that are sharing with us about the Guatemala ministry. It's what the Ethiopian treasurer asked in Acts chapter 8 that we talked about, that uh, Brother Alvarez talked about in our class his first question to that Ethiopian treasurer, Phillips, was, do you understand what you're reading? And he started from there, from Isaiah 53. It's asking questions. It's being willing to share the right things. And understanding, coming to understand what they're going through and where they're coming from. And so, before you speak, listen. Before you speak, listen, with the intent to understand. Seek to understand first, then to be understood. And the way we do that is by listening, by asking questions, by asking God to open our eyes, Lord, and our ears, uh, not just to Jesus, but to this person before us that needs us and needs to hear this message right now. On our screen and on your bulletin is a chart from the Stephen Covey book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Living. And it's a, it's a bit of a conflict management chart, but it starts up there with the issue. There's something, there's some issue at stake. 
It may be a disagreement. It may be a conflict. It may just be some other uh, question of discussion that's going on. And so you have the issue, and then you have the different parties, and each party has a position. That's their position. That's what they believe about this particular issue, and that's what they're willing to stand and fight about. And that's where we typically do that. We typically squabble and fight over positions. But what we have to do is what some call going below the line. Going below the line and finding the interest. Because it's the interest that is pushing that position. It's a bit of a why question. They may say, this is my position, this is what I believe, this is what I, my conviction about this. And it's being able to say, well, why? Asking ourselves and then perhaps even asking them, why, why is this so important to you? Why is this such an important thing? We tend to argue in the position level. And until we go below the line and are willing to try to understand their interest, what they have at stake here, why is this so important to you? Then we won't ever come to a common ground. Some examples of this. Suppose a person has been through a divorce and they had a partner that was, um, that was a horrible person and treated them horribly and betrayed them and now they're in another marriage and it's a, a great marriage. But every once in a while something happens that seems innocent enough and yet this person flies off the handle about it and says, no, 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 no. What's driving that? Well, it may be a previous experience. But just talking about that position level. Why didn't you answer the phone as soon as I called you? Well, one partner may think that seems a little bit unreasonable sometimes. And the other partner might say, no, that's how it started with me. That's the interest that's driving that position. Uh, Another example, a person who lost their job. Or maybe was a part of a company that went bankrupt. And now how meticulous they are about making sure that every little detail is covered. Things that someone else that hasn't had that experience might say is not a big deal. But it's a big deal to them. And so instead of just reacting to their position about this, you go below the line and and you ask. And you ask yourself first of all and then you ask them, "What's, what's going on here? What's going on here? As an adult child of an alcoholic, an adult child of a product of a divorced home, with my parents, I, I, there are some things that I react to that other people aren't going to react to at all that seem little maybe and trivial to them, but it's not that little to me. And that's below the line. And that's where we need to try to get. A person who has survived a domestic violence, who had lived with an abuser, It's going to be impossible for them to have the same level of of trust for a long, long time with anybody else. And their partner, who may may be a wonderful person, may see them react at some little thing in his mind that they did and can't for the life of them understand why this reaction is so strong. And that's the right question to ask. Why is this? so important to you and perhaps not even asking it out loud but thinking about what you know about that person and being able to put two and two together and and give them some leeway there because 
that's an interest that they have that's way below the line that is driving everything about that relationship. If we are going to seek first to understand, we've got to go below the line. I want to share a couple of Bible stories quickly with you, and that's from John 4, first of all. And it's Jesus with the Samaritan woman, and we're pretty familiar with this story. A lot of us are. But it's found in John chapter 4, and, and Jesus begins by going through Samaria. And uh, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along at all. And there were lots of positions there. But Jesus goes right through, stops at a well, and, and a woman comes up during the day to gather water. And she's surprised because Jesus asks her, can you give me a drink? And not only would she never think of a Jew would want to accept a drink from a, a, a Samaritan... She can't even believe that he's talking to her. But he does. And as he talks to her, he delves more and more deeply into her life and helps her to realize that he knows, he understands. He understands her her background. She had had a few husbands and now she was living with a man out of wedlock who is not her husband. And Jesus affirmed her and told her, I know this about you. This isn't right, but I know this about you. And yet he was still speaking to her and trying to understand and trying to help her understand. And that's when she said, "Uh, you're a prophet or something. So then she pulls out this question. Maybe it's a distraction. Where are you supposed to worship? You know, Jerusalem or here in Samaria? And maybe it was just to distract him from where he was going. But maybe also it's one of those questions that she really cared about. And Jesus said, well, where is no longer the right question? God is spirit. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth wherever we are. And in that conversation, the woman finally gets up the nerve to say, I know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all this kind of stuff. And Jesus says, well, I'm, I'm he. I am the Messiah. It's just a powerful, powerful conversation. And it's amazing that John even records it. He's the only one that does. But remember, it was John and James and Luke, his brother in in Luke chapter 9, who wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy the Samaritans because they rejected Christ. And now here he is with this heroic woman telling her story. Another story is from 1 Samuel 25. It's from the Old Testament. It's the story of Nabal and, and Abigail and and King David. And the story goes simply like this. King David and his men are traveling and they've been fighting and at war and and they come to this area and it's where Nabal has this land. And and so King David sends word to Nabal and says, hey, I, can you provide for my men? Believe me, we're not going to take anything more than we need, but but we need, we need a, a, some provisions right now. We need some help. And Nabal, in his pride and arrogance, sends word back to King David and says, no way. You're, you're a guy who's rebelling against his father, the, the real king, King Saul. You're a guy that doesn't belong. I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to do it. And when that was reported to King David, King David said, everybody grab your sword. When this guy's land was at risk, we protected them. We watched over them. When they were, their women were out with the sheep and were out at getting water and all of those things, we made sure nothing bad happened to them. And this is the thanks we get. And then he says a vow. He says, I, I, may it be done to me even more severely if every male in that family, in that household, is not dead soon. 
Well, one of the other maidservants goes to Abigail, Nabal's wife, and says, listen, you got to know what's going on. And tells her the story of what happened. And scripture says Abigail acted quickly. And she had everybody prepare a bunch of supplies, a bunch of food, and a bunch of gifts. And she told them, let's go. And she met David and his troops along the way. And it's very interesting how all of this plays out. Because when Abigail does that, verse 18, Abigail acted quickly. She came riding on her donkey, verse 20. David had just renewed that vow. And when Abigail saw David in verse 23, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. And right then we expect for David to command his right-hand man and the other troops say, kill them all. That's what would have typically happened. And then go and sacked Nabal and destroyed everything he had. Instead, he listens to her. And she tells him this story so that he will understand. Verse 28, please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, King Saul, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, which will happen, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. This woman very bravely confronts the king and tells him, you need to understand something. The man I am married to is a horrible, horrible man. And you have every right to kill him. But I want you to know that not everybody is that way. I'm not that way. Abigail is described in a very unique way in verse 3. The man's name was Abigail. His wife's name was, or his, was Nabal. His wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. But her husband was surly and mean. And it was this intelligent, beautiful, brave woman who met Jesus, or who met King David. And King David, to his credit, sought first to understand and heard her out. And he spared Nabal and his family, and later on, Nabal dies. And after the period of mourning, David takes, calls, sends word to Abigail to come and makes her his wife. David listened. Jesus listened. A couple of things. Seeking to understand requires consideration. Requires us to be considerate. As Matt shared, to, to be respectful to have a loving heart, to hear someone out, to let them speak and listen, actually listen, 
Not while you're thinking about how you're going to respond, but listening with the intent to actually understand. Seeking first to understand, then to be understood. Seeking to understand requires consideration. Seeking to be understood takes courage. Takes courage. Took courage for Jesus to confront that Samaritan woman about how she was living. It took courage for that woman to go and share that wonderful good news, the gospel, with all of the Samaritans. Could this be the Messiah? And brought them to Jesus so they could hear for themselves. It took courage for that intelligent, beautiful, brave woman, Abigail, to go before the man who would have a dynasty of kings after him, King David. And say, before you draw your sword, hear me out. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And as we close today, through Jesus, God did both for us. He did both for us. These two great passages in Hebrews 2 and Hebrews 4 share about how Jesus came and took on everything about humanity, even death. Philippians 2 would say even death on a cross. Was tempted in every way just like we were, yet never sinned. And now he is there at the right hand of the Father. And so the writer of Hebrews says, we can approach the throne of God, the throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus, because Jesus did both of those for us helped us to understand God, helped us to feel like we've been heard, we've been seen, we've been understood because Jesus came. But then also was willing to seek to be understood himself, to bring that message of truth, that message of hope, that message of life. He came to drink that cup of God's wrath and judgment for us that Eric shared about around the table. So with the writer of the book of Hebrews, we say this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let's approach that throne of grace with confidence. Why? Why? Because we know, we know that there is one there who understands who gets us, and who died for us. And as we try to share that message with others, let's hear them out and find where they are and ask them the questions that they are begging someone to ask and then point them to the good news, point them to the gospel, point them to Jesus. This morning, if we can help you do that, come as we stand. Sing our song together. <clears throat> Jesus, let us
We've had a great day today, haven't we? Hearing our report of the Guatemala work. Thank you for being here in safe travels uh, as you return home. A wonderful message from Bill, a reminder that we need to seek to understand. And yes, through Jesus, God did both for us. And it's all because of the wonderful grace of Jesus. We'll end our service this morning by singing the first verse of this song. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sins. day for everything that you've given us. Father, we thank you for the roof over our heads, the shirt on our back, and the food on the table. Father, we thank you so much for Mr. Allen and the lesson that he brings us. Father, I pray that as we go out into our daily lives, that we would put into effect the words that are written in that book. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for we fall short of your will. And I thank you most of all for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.